Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Okay, who's ready for the word this morning? Let's get into it. Uh, Friends, welcome to Moving Day at Hills Church. Now, I've I've got a little test to put you through as we jump into today's message, right? A little question, a test, okay? How do you know if somebody actually loves you? How do you know? They may say they're your friend. They may say they've got your back. They may say that they care about you deeply. They'll be there for you no matter what. But the one surefire test to know if someone loves you or not is whether they show up on moving day. Can I get an amen? Anybody? (laughs) Now look, hopefully we all reach a point in life where we can pay other people to move for us. And I know as soon as we reach that level, if we ever reach that level, that's like one of the first things that we do. Because moving day is awful. It's awful, there's nothing worse. And I I know maybe you're not at a stage in life where you have to move your own stuff, but you can probably remember back at some point when you had to wrap every dish in your kitchen in bubble wrap or some brown paper and neatly stack it in a box. You had to pack up every book, every, every article of clothing, every piece of artwork on your walls, and in some divine mystery, almost like a cosmic joke, every single time, and I promise you it was this way for you, on moving day, it was either pouring rain or 150 degrees. Anybody else? Like, Lord, why? Life is hard enough, there's enough suffering let there be good weather on moving day. <laughs> Friends, every day is moving day in the church. God has called us to move outward, to unleash compassion on the 50 corridor, to live lives of generosity and service to others. He's saying, go to the ends of the earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we are taking just a brief break for the next few weeks to look at this idea, this big idea of generosity. And I promise we're coming back to Ephesians. If you've been tracking with us, we're going to finish up chapter six, the armor of God. It's going to be awesome. But as we headed towards Love the 50 week, and as we set our sights towards the end of the year, I just felt compelled to talk on this idea of generosity. What does it look like for us to live generous lives? What does it look like for us, for all of us to do our part with the church when it comes to moving day, to to pick up part of what we're called to lift and to move the church forward through our sacrificial generosity of our time, talent, and treasure? And so the title for this series is Everyone. Everyone, and the idea behind everyone, and you can see it in the corner, is that everyone is called to give generously to reach the next one. And what we learn in scripture, all from the Old Testament to New Testament, is that generosity, friends, and let me say this so clearly right off the top, 
being financially generous towards the work of God in the earth and towards people and towards causes, it is not about the money. And it's not about the amount. It's about our hearts. It's about our priorities. It's about our worship. Generosity is about people. It's about reaching the next one. And God could have designed the, you know, the church and the world in any way, but he said, look, I wanna build my church from the very beginning, from day one, not through a governmental subsidy or a governmental funding from the empire of Rome. I'm not gonna fund my church through some official means. I'm going to build my church from the very beginning, through the joyful generosity, the sacrificial generosity of my people who've been saved by grace, who have received generously from God. Therefore, they wanna give generously towards what God is doing. And I know, and I've felt this in the past, it can sometimes be hard for a preacher to talk about finances. But as I have talked on this subject off and on over the past five years, here's what I've realized. I'm actually excited because I know this, when you begin to step into a generous lifestyle, not just with your time and your talent and your serving, which is important, but with your money specifically, somehow, some way, and this is why Jesus talked about it more than anything else in the New Testament, somehow living generously with your finances opens the door to freedom and spiritual growth in your life and in the lives of those around you. God is gonna change you through it and he's gonna change others through it. It's a win-win situation. And so my heart and my prayer for you as we've been thinking about this, as I've been praying about this, is Lord, set people free. Set people free free because Jesus himself said we can't serve God and money. One or the other is going to have priority in our lives. You know, as I was preparing, I, this did remind me of one of the stories in the gospel of Luke and Luke chapter five. I've preached on this before in the past. You probably remember the story. It's the story of the paralytic man whose friends loved him so much, as he was lying on his mat, they heard news that Jesus was coming to town, and they went and picked him up on his mat, and they brought him to Jesus. In fact, the crowds around Jesus were, were so dense and so thick, they went up on the roof. Do you all remember the story? And they ripped open the roof so they could lower their friend down to be in the presence of Jesus. And it got me thinking about this whole idea of moving day. And so I asked a few friends to come out and help me with an illustration. We've got a couple guys coming up. Let's give it up for Zach. We got Drew. We got Gianni. We got David. We got George. I'm going to move one of these over here. Um, and guys, actually, you, don't sit down just yet, Zach, okay? You all can move behind the couch. Everybody kind of line up behind the couch there. Um, and here's... Let's just give a visual for how this story went, okay? And uh, in fact, Drew, we're gonna have you be the paralytic, okay? So I want you to make yourself comfortable on this couch. They didn't really have couches back then, not like a, you know, a sweet black tufted couch. So, dude, lounge, bro, lean back. Actually, let me hook you up. I got some, um, I got a fruit by the foot, some Mott's gummy bears, and dude, gushers. Come on, Jesus, the Lord provides Feel free, to, feel free to help, just help yourself to those. 
Now, you know, he's pretty comfortable right here, but also he's kind of in a bad spot. He's dependent on the generosity of others. You know, he, he's in a place right now where Drew has no option. He has to be a consumer of the generosity of others, of those in his life that love him and care about him. Now, his friends, one day they get word that Jesus is coming to town. And so we're gonna pretend, Drew, like Jesus is in that moving trailer right there. And so, boys, you all are gonna grab a corner and you're literally, be careful with him, He's paralyzed, but you're gonna pick up Drew and you're gonna take him to Jesus, okay? You all believe in these guys? Easy does it. Gosh, no big deal. Give it up for these guys. Just, you know, we're not actually gonna put Drew in the trailer. Okay, you all can drop him right here, but hang close. Now, let's say Jesus comes out of this. Oh, don't choke on the gushers, bro. Are you Okay. We'll say Jesus, you know, he's here, he's at the trailer, he sees Drew and he sees the faith of his friends and he goes, this is awesome, what great faith, and he heals Drew. So Drew, go ahead and stand up for everybody. Praise God, Drew is healed. Now, now hold on, Drew, you gotta stay here, okay? Now, just, just imagine with me for a moment. I mean, Jesus didn't just heal Drew's legs and his you know, his paralyzation is gone, but he even said to Drew, if you remember the story, your sins are forgiven. He healed him internally and externally. Now imagine, Drew would never do this, but we're just saying, okay? Imagine Drew was like, man, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Um, but that couch was really comfortable. Um, I think I'm just gonna hang out on the couch. So Drew, go ahead and get back on the couch. <laughs> And it's like, you know, it's, look, there's, there's gushers here. There's a fruit by the foot. We've got Mott's assorted gummy bears. You know, he's got people providing. He's like, man, I'm just gonna hang here. I'm comfortable here. Now imagine, we'll pretend like uh, George and David as well for this illustration. We'll pretend like George and David are two of Drew's friends that don't yet know Jesus and they need to know Jesus. And even though, you know, Drew's kind of hanging on the couch, he's chilling, he does have a little conviction rise up inside of him and he says, you know what? I should probably go tell George and David about Jesus, but I really love this couch. So George and David, can you all go hang by the moving boxes over there? So Drew says, um, hey, Zach and Gianni, can you all take me over to George and David so I can share the gospel with them? Okay, guys, can you all do this? You think you can do this? I believe, let's give it up for them. I believe they can do it. All right, easy, lift with the legs. Nice, now put them right down in front of the boxes. He even gave him a gusher on the way, incredible. We'll put him back down, okay. All right, now, Drew, being the guy he is, uh, he shares his faith. George and David get saved. George and David, you all join Drew on the couch here, okay? And Drew's like, guys, there's this man named Jesus. He's over there at that moving trailer. You all gotta meet this guy. And the cool thing is, I got two really awesome friends, uh, Gianni and David, and I got a sweet couch, and they're gonna take us over there to see Jesus. Okay, um, how y'all feel right now? Um, we might need a few other people. Don't get up just yet. I want you just to like, don't throw your back out, but just try and pick them up, all right? Yeah, you are helping him, Zach. 
Oh my gosh, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, okay. That was actually perfect. That's what I, Gianni almost screwed up the entire illustration. Let's give it up for these guys. You guys are done. The goal was not to lift you guys off the ground. Great job, Drew. I know your heart is, is much more for people than that. But here, here's the idea, and here's what happens when it comes to generosity, right? It's like, hey, I, you know, maybe I'll serve in kids' ministry. I'll jump into a project for Love the 50 Week. I'll serve with maybe my time and my talent, some for the cause of the church. But when it comes to my finances, I think I'd rather remain a consumer of the church. Sure, yes, it's true. Man, my, my marriage has grown so much through a small group at Hills Church. My, my son or my daughter came to faith through Camp X. Maybe I found healing and growth in my own faith. Maybe I was baptized and came to faith in Jesus through my time here at this church. But man, moving, moving is rough. Packing up boxes and lifting furniture and do it. I mean, that stuff is hard, right? It's way more comfortable to remain a consumer. Ooh, I just want you all to know this, this sermon wrecked me first, Okay. It's that idea of staying in this consumer mentality and saying, instead of saying, Lord, I wanna be a contributor to your mission on earth. I wanna be a part of lifting the couch on moving day and helping others find Christ, not just through time and talent, but I wanna lift and, and empower the mission of your church through my finances. I wanna honor God through generous giving. Friends, Billy Graham, I think he said it, Best, He said, if a person gets his attitude straight about money, it will straighten out almost every other area of his or her life. Friends, it is so hard for us to grow spiritually if we do not begin to move into this area of generosity with our finances. Friends, we have to realize that generosity is about reaching people, every one giving generously to reach the next one. Every time someone is baptized at this church, it's connected to your generosity. 10 plus years ago, a lot of people got together and gave generously so that we could be sitting and worshiping God in this room together and gathering on Sundays and so that kids could be hearing the good news of the gospel and so that people could come to this place throughout the week and find connections and community and life-giving relationships Every time 1,700 kids gather for summer youth camps to hear the gospel, it's connected to your generosity. Every time we launch a child development center in Brazil or build a house in Mexico, it's connected to your generosity. Every time we build a bedroom for a child facing a terminal illness, it's connected to your generosity. Jesus has chosen to build his church through generosity, when you give, the light at Hills Church shines brighter and further. Brighter and further. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Many scholars believe 2 Corinthians is actually a fundraising letter. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth before he gets there and he says, hey guys, I'm on the way. And I wanna tell you about the Macedonians. They were incredibly generous. And right now I'm raising money for the church in Jerusalem because they're facing a hard time. 
And he said, so I'm gonna send some brothers ahead of me to make sure you all are praying about this, how much you're gonna give to support the church in Jerusalem. And so Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, remember, church in Corinth, a stingy planter or a stingy farmer gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. When the giver delights in the giving, God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. He says, look, when you give, just know God is able to provide for you in anything and everything you may face. Listen to this. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away. And don't miss this. Here's what Paul does. He connects it. He gives you something which you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives. Do you see what Paul did just there? He connected generosity to people. He said, church in Corinth, God is your provider. And think about, pray about what you wanna give to support the church in Jerusalem. They're struggling right now. He goes, God wants to build his church through your generosity. Pray about it and just know when you give, God's gonna really produce a harvest of fully formed lives, people who come to know Jesus through your generosity. He goes on, people who are wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Generosity produces praise to God. Friends, this series, everyone, the tagline for this series the big idea behind this series, I'm gonna put it on the screen here, everyone, is this. It's empowering the church to reach the next one through the sacrificial and joyful generosity of all of us. Through the sacrificial and joyful generosity of all of this. Now, I wanted to find generosity for us because Jesus gives some radical definitions of it in the New Testament. But here's, here's how I wanna term it for us. Generosity is this. It is the prioritized and sacrificial giving of our time, talent, and treasure. Some of you are like, I don't have any treasure. I don't have gold doubloons at home. I'm out. I'm good. No, Jesus is talking, when he talks about treasure, he's talking about our finances, our money. But generosity is the prioritized and sacrificial. You see, that's what Jesus, every time he refers to finances in the New Testament, he is making a connection to sacrifice because if you don't feel it, we can't call it generosity. If we don't feel it, it's not sacrificial. I think about the widow's might. Do you remember the story where Jesus is watching <laughs> Imagine that, Jesus is just standing by the tithe boxes in the back. He's watching everyone put their money into the tithe box to support the work. And he notices this widow who gives a mite, is what it says, the widow's mite. I can't remember the exact amount of that, but it was very small. And 
All these wealthy people came up, giving large sums, and Jesus says to his disciples, you see that widow? She gave more than anyone today because they, out of their abundance, gave what they decided to give. They tipped God, but she in her poverty gave all that she had. He goes, that's the model of generosity. It's sacrificial. You're gonna feel it. You're gonna notice it every week. And when Jesus is talking about money and finances, he's talking about worship. He's talking about our hearts. He's talking about what we love and how we choose to prioritize God in our lives. And friends, this series is not about some building campaign. We're not trying to guilt anyone to giving to a cause. But I wanna say this, the church of Jesus Christ is not built on the extraordinary gifts and talents of a few people. It is built on the sacrificial generosity and service of everyone, all of us, working together on moving day to move the church forward, to empower the church to reach farther. And all throughout the New Testament, generosity is normal. It's how Christians lived. Why? Why does God want us to do this? Why? Lord, why? because he wants us to be a reflection of him to the world. You see, God is generous. We've already read that in 2 Corinthians. God is a giver. God is a giver. Think about this, John 3, 16, the most quoted verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus that was given that God gave to you, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Though Jesus was in heaven at the right hand of God with everything in the throne room of heaven, he became poor, he became born of a virgin, a virgin as a baby in the manger. That you through his poverty might become rich, that we through Jesus becoming poor, becoming a servant of all, might gain access to the riches of grace and mercy in heaven, an adoption into the family of the king. Friends, I wanna say this so clearly. Generosity is love in action. Generosity is our love in action. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, right? We've all had to make a payment or pay a ticket or pay taxes and no part of our heart was joyful or loving about that. We were begrudging. We've had to pay for things that were like, oh, why? So yeah, we know how it feels to give without loving, but if we really love something or someone, we're gonna give to it. If we really believe in something, if it matters to us, you will give towards it. And Jesus is like, I don't want you to be fooled by yourself. The litmus test for your faith and what matters to your heart is actually your bank account. That's why he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You wanna know what you love in this life? Look at your bank account. Don't fool yourself. He's leaning into this. Friends, genuine love for Jesus and people always produces financial generosity towards the work of his church. 
Jesus says, I'm building a church. I'm gonna be building a church for thousands of years. That's my plan A. And it's gonna be funded by the joyful generosity of my people. 1 John 3.18 says this, children, let us not love in word or talk. Talk is cheap, but in deed and truth with actions. Friends, there are so many benefits to generosity. The amazing thing about this whole thing is that at first, on the front end, this is something my wife and I have committed to and lived our entire lives of faith, but on the front end, it feels like dying. It feels hard. You feel the sacrifice of shifting from spending all the money on the busyness and the craziness and the stuff of your life to then prioritizing and saying, God, I'm giving you the first fruits. You're going to feel it. You're absolutely gonna feel it. But as you do it, what you find is this, and so many benefits of generosity, but one of the benefits that begins to happen for you is that generosity will decrease my anxiety and teaches me to trust God. If you choose to give to God first, something wild is going to happen, and it just does. It's how God organized his world, his universe, Somehow, the 90% you choose to live on, which is also God's, it goes farther. And what happens is this, if we don't give to God the first fruits, which is why all through scripture he says, bring me the firstborn lamb, the first fruits of your harvest. Give me the first fruits of what I've given you. The reason he asked for the first fruits is this, because he knows our hearts and he knows how we are, right? And so if, you know, we have this huge herd of cattle and we're supposed to give God the firstborn, right? But a storm comes through or a robber comes through and somebody steals the firstborn cattle or steals some cattle. We have a tendency to say, well, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, someone stole your cow. That, you see, that one was yours. The rest are mine. And God's like, no, I want you to give to me first because I'm not saying there's not going to be some form of disaster. I'm not saying you're not going to face hard things, but I want you to learn to trust me. And my relationship, God is saying, my relationship with you is gonna go deeper than you could imagine because you're actually gonna learn, you're gonna begin to walk with me and learn that I'm a father who provides for you. And when you give generously, I'm gonna give back to you in a way that you can't even dream. Friends, your anxiety level around your finances will go down and you'll begin to trust. Matthew 6 says it like this, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Seek first, put God first and his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you as well. I've shared this story a couple years ago, but it's just, I couldn't think of a better illustration of how this works because the scripture teaches that we are stewards of God's world, everything we have is from God. And I'll never forget when my kids were younger, and this was back when we were in Atlanta, they both had their eyes set. I think Sawyer wanted a Lego and Lily Hope wanted a a Barbie doll or something. I can't remember exactly what, but both the gifts or what they wanted were somewhere close to 50 bucks. So these were, these were not just like, let's go to the dollar store and get a little trinket. It was like a legit gift for the kids. And, you know, at that time, 
Lindsay and I said, no, we're not buying you those gifts right now. But you can do some chores and you can save your money and we can you know, start to move that direction. And they begin to brainstorm and they're like, how can we make some money now? Ding, lemonade stand. Genius, right? And we know this, this is how it goes with lemonade stands. The key to a good lemonade stand is location, location, location. Key to any good business. But I remember, you know, they're like, can we do a lemonade stand? And we said, sure. And we found this really busy corner in our neighborhood. And I remember we, we went out and we bought them the stuff to mix up the lemonade. We got them the cups and the pitchers. And we bought, or Lindsay, I think, actually made some cookies. And Lily Hope made a sign that said, cup of lemonade and a cookie for 10 cents. And so I had to teach my kids about profit margins. And I said, sweetheart, you can actually charge more. That's, that's too good of a deal, right? Mommy and daddy are gonna lose too much money here. And so I said, charge a buck 50, right? Charge a little more. And she's like, okay, great. I'll get the money faster. So she puts a buck 50 and I said, put a, chip, a, a, a tip jar on your table. Because most people, when they drive by and they see two cute kids and they get lemonade and a cookie, they're gonna give you a tip. And so throughout the day, you know, they... They just raked it in. Within three hours, I mean, they were counting it up and their eyes were getting big and they're like, oh my gosh, we have $100. Like it was, we made the goal. We're gonna franchise this sucker. They're thinking we're, you know, not really. But they got to that point and they said, let's go, let's go to Target, mom and dad, shut it down. We're good, let's roll, we did it. And I said, hold on, hold on guys. What about God. What about God, Dad? Well, what about the tithe? You gotta give your first 10% to God. What? That is ridiculous. Who came up with that idea? You gotta be kidding me. How do, we, how do you even do that, Dad? How do you give your money to God? He's in heaven. That's physically impossible, right? Their little internal lawyers were just going. And I was like, kids, you gotta understand everything you have, everything you got today was from God. And they're like, no, it wasn't. It was from Miss Cindy and Mr. So-and-so and that guy and that guy and they brought it, you know, they're the one. We earn this. We're not giving anything to God. I said, well, you also gotta think about saving, right? 10% of that needs to go to saving too. I mean, you all went from 50 to $40 real quick, you know, and they were just furious. But I'm like, we're or, hey, I want this in their hearts early. And so they waited, they waited, they waited. Maybe they got a few more bucks and they were so discouraged and so angry at me and at God. And um, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm helping their faith or destroying it in this very moment. Um, but as we were walking home, we didn't live too far away from my parents. And I had, um, I had the table and the pitcher of lemonade and Lindsay had the cups and we were walking home and um, heading back to the house. And my dad drove by I think my mom was in the car with him. And he said, hey, y'all got any lemonade left? And they had already, my kids, by the way, had already begrudgingly decided that they have to give their money to God and to savings. So they were down to like 43 bucks each. And my dad drove by, he said, you got any more lemonade? I said, yes, we do. And they were like, yeah, we do, we do. And so they made a cup and gave him a cookie. And my dad handed him a $20 bill. And they were like, it's on, we're back, we got it, right? And I paused, I took him, and I just said, wait a second, guys, notice what happened there. Whether you liked it or not, you chose to honor God first with your money, and then what happened next? Or so like, grandpa came by. And I was like, well, yeah, but think about this. 
After you chose to honor God first, God provided for you through granddad. And they're still struggling with this whole concept of how does God provide? And I said, kids, it's kind of like this, right? Who bought the lemonade today? Your dad did. Who bought the cups? Who set up the pitcher? Who made the cookies? Who kept you safe on the side of the road the whole time while a five-year-old and a seven-year-old are trying to sell lemonade? Who made sure no one came by and took your money? Who bought the table that you sold the lemonade on? Who drove you to the store? Who has provided all that you have in life, including the clothes on your back and the bed you sleep in every night? You all have, exactly. That's how we feel about God. Everything we have is from him, for him, the breath in our lungs, the mind in our, the brain in our heads, all of our energy, our health, all these things are from God. They're a gift and they're on loan to us. And here's what God requires. He says, give back to me your first fruits because if you try to scrape the bottom of the barrel at the end of every month, you're gonna find out there's none left. But if you give it off the top, you're gonna to find out the barrel goes way deeper than it did before. It's just how it works. Because God is generous and he loves us. Friends, generosity honors God by putting him first in your life. When Mark said it like this in Mark 12, 30, the gospel of Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Honor God first, and the blessing of God will be on you. So many things generosity does in our own hearts. Generosity draws us closer to God and makes us more like Christ. Think about this. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, and I've already mentioned this, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Generosity, when we give to the work of the church financially, suddenly our heart is more connected to the work of the church. Jesus designed our hearts. He knows how they work. Sometimes I, I read that backwards. I thought, well, if I give to it, that means I'll love it. And Jesus goes, no. He goes, what you love, you give to. He goes, your money follows what you love. And so you can tell what you love, again, by looking at your bank account. So he's saying, I want you to give to the work of the church so your heart follows my work and it gets connected to me and honors me first. It will draw you closer to me, says the Lord. And it makes us more like Jesus, who was the most extravagantly generous, the one who gave everything for us. Friends, generosity is the cure for materialism. All of us have a natural propensity to spend on ourselves, to, to buy more for ourselves, to grow our own kingdoms. And unless we press back on that, especially in American culture, we'll just keep doing it. You cannot serve both God and money, Matthew 6, 24. It's hard to remember for us that our valuables do not define our worth. Our possessions do not define our self-worth. Friends, generosity, another benefit of generosity is it demonstrates the authenticity of your faith. It proves to yourself and to others that this faith is real. 
Think about this, 2 Corinthians 9, again, Paul's great fundraising letter. He says this, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove, it will demonstrate, it will show that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ. Your generosity is proof. And I wanna close with this one and then I'll share one brief story. Generosity brings God's blessing and protection over your life. And I wanna be careful here because this is not a prosperity gospel. What I'm not saying is you will never face hardship, you will never face trouble or trials or tribulation when you're following Jesus. What I'm saying is this, when you honor God first with your money, you will not be overthrown by what comes your way. You're building your house on the rock, not the sand. And so yes, you may have a season of loss and pain and suffering, but it won't take you out because you know you're anchored in the truth, God is my provider. All things are his. Everything I have is on loan from him. He cares for me, he sees me, he will get me through and you will make it. But there is an unexplainable, undeniable throughout scripture connection between generosity and blessing. Think about this, Proverbs 22, nine, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. That means whoever looks for ways to be generous will actually be blessed. Look about this, think about this one. Deuteronomy 15.10, give generously. Then because of this, God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Some of you right now are frustrated and up against a wall in your business or in your work simply because you're not giving. There is some connection in God's world from generosity to releasing finances in your life. God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8. God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Malachi 3.10, probably the most famous verse on tithing and generosity. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent the devourer from devouring your harvest. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. That is clear as day. Psalm 112, five to six, all goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Such a man will not be overthrown by equal evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. That's an amazing verse. It's an amazing verse. Somehow generosity multiplies your money. Somehow it goes further. Somehow the barrel that represents your life, when you honor God first, the barrel gets bigger and deeper. And it's not just so you can build your kingdom, it's so that your money can live on mission. Friends, many of you, when you hear a sermon like this, are thinking, I just can't afford to give right now. And what I'm telling you, what these verses are telling you, what the word of God is telling you is simply this. You cannot afford not to give right now. You can't afford it. It's too expensive on your heart and on your life and on your well-being. 
the price is too high. Going back to what I shared in the beginning, and I'll close with this, the keys can come out. Generosity is about people. It's about our heart. It's about worship. It's about putting God first in our lives. And last year, we raised money as a church to partner with an organization. You saw it on the video. I've mentioned it a few times. It's one of my favorite organizations that we partner with, Sweet Dreams. And we were able to to do bedrooms for these families and these kids facing terminal illnesses. And about a month ago, we had Lake Day baptisms and this young man right here, Carter, and his father, Dave, got baptized. And friends, Carter needs your prayers right now. He is fighting the fight of his life. But I'll tell you this right now, Carter and Dave and Carter's mom, Whitney, they were so impacted by the generosity of this church, they started coming to this church, and they were so impacted by the ministries of this church, including the Sunday morning gathering, that they took a new step of faith in their life, and they're leaning on God and walking with Jesus every day to the point where Dave and Carter got baptized for the first time and publicly declared their faith in Christ as father and son. How, why? Because of your generosity. Friends, generosity is about people. Generosity is about everyone giving generously to reach the next one. Friends, here's the question. How many people are going to be in heaven? How many people will you see in heaven one day because you chose to give generously to the work of God on earth? People you don't even know, people that came to Christ through the online gatherings all through the pandemic because of your generosity, helping us to broadcast gospel-centered messages on YouTube and Facebook. Friends, God wants our money to be on mission, and I wanna encourage you today. I wanna challenge you today. Many of you have been sitting on the couch for a long time. You've experienced healing. You've experienced growth. And you've been a consumer. And God is saying it's time for you to get off the couch, to take your spot on the edge of the couch, to pick up, because there's a whole bunch of people on this couch up and down the 50 corridor. And we want to empower the work of the church. And we want to work and lift together so that more people can be brought to Christ through our generosity. And so... On the seat back in front of you, the challenge is this, to step in, step up, or to step out. Maybe you've never given before. I wanna encourage you to step into a weekly or monthly recurring donation. Pray, ask God. There may be, right now, you may, you may look and say, I don't have margin. Well, the Lord may say, it's time to sell that toy, that thing you just got, so you can have margin to put me first. What does it look like for you to step in? What does it look like for you for, to step up, right? To start moving closer to a 10% first fruits of your life. What does it look like for you to step out of the boat like Peter in faith and to live generously? Generosity is above and beyond. It's the widow's might. It's giving of all you have. Saying, Lord, use it. It's yours for your kingdom because everything here's gone in a minute. But what I invest towards you and what I give towards you, that lasts forever. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe, and if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.